Leading by example, it's said to be a way for leaders to create and change group culture. But is it? Hello, listeners, and welcome to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast hosted by myself, Akinoma Bitan, and Professor Dan Kayboard. Each episode, the two of us pick apart, peer-reviewed and published social science papers, and we squeeze them for their best bits so that you, the ever-curious listener, do not have to sift through pages and pages of academic literature. What's up, Dan? Hi, everybody. Hi, Akin. Hey, hey, hey. How do you do? Ah. Been a while. Right? It's been a little while. Been enjoying yeah. the summer. Yeah, man. <laughs> the, the city is unfolding itself. Like There's that flower. joy as well, right? There right. is that joy as well. Sort of like a, a hopeful reopening. Yeah, and right. hopefully some gardener doesn't come and prune our roses. Where was this <laughs> analogy going? Can we stop with this <laughs> I think we stop it right here. What's up with the paper that we got for the peeps today? I'm really excited about this one. It is about modeling. It's about the way you act being a form of leadership. Yes. And I think that that's really fun is we're going to talk about, it's not just leading organizations. You know, it's also the way like as parents, you kind of like want to model for your kids or as friends, you want to model behavior. So I find that part of it really compelling. Ooh, that's quite nice actually. Cause I dove into it and I just, I was really in the whole organizational context of it. But what you say there is just, is brilliant really, where it's, it's not something that we need to do between nine and five. This is our, our way of being. And what does that, how does that influence others and their ways of being? That's right. Ideally, positively, right? Yeah. Ideally. And I think that what's cool is it can go either way. Right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so like, uh, yeah. so this paper is titled Leading by Example, the case for leader OCB. And OCB, I don't think we're going to bounce this term around too much because it sounds like something they designed for the paper. <laughs> I sometimes read these papers and I'm like, you guys are trying to like coin some terms, aren't you? But this is organizational citizenship behavior. I just haven't heard it thrown around that much. Yep. And yep. this gives uh, shout outs to Tao. Yaffe and Ronit Cock. And you've given like a nice kind of like brief of what we're about to kind of like jump into. And one of the things that stood out for me from the jump is there's a lot of things that people say that science is a bit like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's actually see what's up mm. with that. Because this whole idea mm. of lead by example, it does get like banded around. That's right. Is it a good way of doing anything yes. though? Science has... So it has some things to say about it. Yeah, I think that that's really interesting. In this particular case, there's probably 50 years of quotes, you know, leadership books saying that it's one of the most important ways or most effective ways of showing people what you really mean for them to do. It's like, look at what I do, not what I say, that mm. whole thing. And then there's also been a lot of lab studies where it does kind of look like it works that way. Yep. And where this study finds itself is to say, we should probably go look at that in the real world. We should probably go ahead and look at some real managers on this issue. Well, that's one of the things that's quite curious, right, is like, like, I guess if you give people like a survey, if you, if you give people a questionnaire, if you just ask someone a question to their face, the answer might not be an accurate representation of what's yeah. going on in yeah. reality. Like, even when you ask yeah. someone how they're doing and their reply is, I'm fine. You're like, what do I, what do I do with that? So the idea that you could put your lab coat on, head to some offices and have a look at what people are actually doing. Yeah. But then also like you've got something that you can kind of marry your, your responses to. Yes. So like 
in, in, in that, with this study, from what I understand, Dan, and you can jump in and possibly tidy this up a bit for me, this study did involve questionnaires, but it wasn't come to the lab and tell us about what you do. This was more, we go to the people's place of work sure. and we ask the leader, like, how do you feel your team are in relation to your leadership style? Mm-hmm. But then also asking the supervisor, their mm-hmm. perception of the leader, mm-hmm. and then also the supervisees, the employees. <laughs> Employees, the employees, the non-supervisor, <laughs> the, the subordinates. That word always kind of like pricks my back a little bit. But also asking them, how do they feel about the leader as a leader? So you're, it's like this multi-perspective thing to answer the question of, uh, uh, like, is leading by example doing anything? That's right. That's right. There's two different parts of this I want to break down. Please do. First one is a little bit about these OCBs. Yes. I want to say a bit about those and then about the methodology. And maybe nice. we could do it in that order. Let's go for it. So the OCBs, it is a... Okay, so let me say it again. If you've never heard it before, you're not to be blamed. It's an organizational citizenship behavior. And the most important thing to remember about it is it's what makes an organization work but you can't reward it formally. Mm. It's people just doing the right thing at the right time because it's the right thing, not because they'll get a raise or promotion. Because a lot of times people aren't really watching. Yeah. It's kind of like what you're doing for the firm when it's not scripted that you have to do it and there's no formal rewards for doing it. Yeah. And if I could just jump in at this bit as well, Dan, because like what I, I remember reading this and as they were breaking it down, I was a bit like, oh man, it sounds like the way a lot of organizations have got around this is by describing it as culture. So like, you know, you'll go apply for a job and they're like, this is the culture, but they're indirectly saying, this is how we operate. Can you operate this way? Because if you can, you might be a good fit. If you can't, maybe apply for something else. That's right. And the idea that there's a whole list of unwritten things that help the organization survive, but you can't really teach somebody because what it'll be next week is different. Mm. Like, let me give you a tiny example. Say you're just out and you, you're talking to a friend who's looking for a job and you denigrate your company versus build it up. Yes. That's a citizenship behavior. Yeah. You can't really pay somebody to say the right thing and be loyal. But if they aren't, you're not going to get that person applying. And if they are, they're probably going to apply. Yeah. Or they say a newspaper person calls and says, hey, what's really going on with this thing? You could have somebody that like really doesn't like the organization and off the record says a bunch of really damaging stuff. Yeah. Or you could really build up the organization and talk about its strong points and thousands of those choices are made every day by employees, but a boss doesn't have the ability to say, I'm going to control all of that. Mm. And I think that's why this topic, I mean, there's a lot of things they could have studied. When we're talking about modeling as teaching, we could have looked at good things like smiling, have positive psychology. You could model that or quite negative things like be abusive and use political power to put down the little people. You yep. could, You could also model that. But in this paper, a very important thing that they're modeling is whether or not people use their discretionary effort to help or hurt. Mm. So it actually is like a pretty good outcome variable, in my opinion. Yeah. And so there was the OCB, and then you wanted to also say a bit more? To also? play a little bit more about the method. I yes. mean, you basically said it all. I, I think you said it the right way. It's, it's just that I wanted the listeners to know that it's not like they just asked employees, what do you think happens? 
Because then if you just ask one set of employees, what do you think happened? There's all these potential biases, like, like simply asking the question, then they know they're being asked. So they might answer in a way that makes it look better, yep. or they might guess your hypothesis and then just try to give that back to you. So what they did is they triangulated. And this is actually really good methodology where they asked like the bosses, what is the group culture around here? Do you believe that OCBs, that citizenship behaviors are worthy? Yep. And then they asked the actual employees, do you do citizenship behaviors? Because like they would kind of know how they use their discretionary effort. Yeah. And then they ask the big boss, like a senior person, how do the middle bosses actually act? The ones yep. that are like visible to them, the ones that are doing the modeling. So to be honest, it's not perfect, but that is a pretty good methodology for making sure that it's not just like survey bias. If those things start to connect up and relate statistically, it kind of means that it's happening in the real world and not just in employees' brains. Yeah. Yeah. And like, the, I guess the other thing I found interesting about the, I mean, I said I wouldn't be like kind of like using this term a lot, but the organizational citizenship behavior, yeah. the, the OCB, um, and maybe like for my reference as well, the, the culture is that this could be understood in different ways by different departments and different people. So ideally you want like that, that consistency is so crucial. And in the study, they looked at, I believe it was three different departments. So they, it was like the service, service team, the technical team, and also the sales team. So there's kind of like a bit of an echo of the triangulation there also. But yeah, did you want to say a bit about like why look at three different Departments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, is it is it obvious? Is it- <laughs> um, what I'd say is they just did what the company had. In yep. my opinion, that wasn't so strategic. They went into one company. I believe it was in Israel. Is that right? And I think that it was a tele, like a communication company. Um, and it was 67 work units. And it just so happened to have like sales, technical, and service. Yep. And I don't think like, to be honest, that's just like kind of lucky, I'd say. Yeah, but I guess I, I guess I bring that up. Like in one of my uh, former lives, I worked in publishing and I was in the like the publishing production team. So I worked, I was kind of like in the middle working with like design, um, kind of like, um, oh my God, this was, this was a long time ago yeah. in my life, yeah. but in the design <laughs> studio with the sales team and with the production yeah. team also. Very different cultures. I, I, yeah, my guess yeah, is yeah. their understanding That's of right. what OCB yeah. is would have been very different yes. because, yes. and I say this because when we're looking at like leadership by example, the way a, someone who's managing a sales team leads mm-hmm. will be very different from the way someone, um, who's leading a creative team yeah. leads. Like there'll yeah. be something yeah. different within those. That's right. And so if you have three different departments where their function is quite different, yeah. then it's a bit like like technical and sales. It just yeah. sounds like it's begging right. to have a clash there. Right. So right. like how, I, I say how, but like, yeah. I, I wonder whether it's that there'll be a few core consistencies that exist throughout all three, yeah. or is it fine for all three to have different ones right. as long as the team right. are kind of in agreement with right. their leader? Right. Kind of, yeah, kind I do. Of, I understand yeah. what you're asking. And actually that is... 
it's a benefit that there are these different cultures in there yep. because what are citizenship behaviors will depend completely on what part of the firm you're operating. Yeah. And that's the beauty of not being able to script these and reward these behaviors. Yes. So that just gives like a nice diversity that I think helps the paper out. It helps mm. the evidence out a little bit. Another thing I was going to mention is in one way, they fed some of this into the statistics because they modeled how far the leader was physically from the workers. And really what that worked out is I think the salespeople weren't with their leaders much. Just they, they didn't see their leader very much. Whereas in the other groups, they were with their leaders a lot more. Yeah. And that, I mean, I think this is actually kind of cool in the time of work from home and COVID because one of their hypotheses is if you don't see your leader, physically see your leader doing things, then you can't emulate them. And, you know, that's kind of a big question. Yeah. Because right now, a lot of us are not seeing our leaders full stop. Which is like so fascinating to think about how the world does change like science, because like now, I guess one of the questions would be like, as a leader who isn't seeing their team physically all of the time, how do I role model yeah. then becomes yeah. the question. And I guess kind of like off mic, uh, off the record. Yeah, are, we, are we off the record? Off the record. Hey people, this is just between us. <laughs> off the record. <laughs> Dan had several things to say, actually, but some of it was relevant to the uh, to the paper. But you were mentioning, uh, I think it was about like language um, and like some other ways in which it's role modeled when you can't get all up in someone's yeah. face and micromanage yeah. them or well, even like show or even lead that's by that's example. Right. That's right. Well, I, I got so many thoughts around this. One of the thoughts, though, is the deep theory of what's called so social learning theory by Albert Bandura the deepest of deepest psychology where basically there's a way of thinking that most human behavior is learned socially by yeah. watching. Yes. And so it, this really fits squarely into that deep, deep psychology literature. That's step one. Step two is um, with a lot of people working at home right now, you might think, well, nobody's watching the leader and true physically, but we've actually, I'm doing some research right now with Frangino, yep. where there's loads of people that during COVID actually disengaged from their work, but some people got more engaged during COVID about their work. Yeah. So we started unpacking that and we found that it depends on what mindset you take about COVID and work from home. Yep. If you take on a mindset of, I can't wait till this shit is over. Yeah. I just want to go back to how it used to be. Those people are not very disengaged from their work. People that take on this learning mindset of like, it sucks, but let me see if I can learn something from it. Yeah. They get more engaged. So the final thing that we just learned now, we, we replicated this twice. We went and looked at the leaders and how they're modeling mindset. And we learned that humble leaders that are acting as though they have something to learn yep. create that mindset. Yep. So this is really cool because this is pure work from home. Everybody in our sample is work from home. They're not seeing their leader, quote unquote, but they are learning from how the leader acts, how they should act. Mm. And it's having real consequences for yeah. their actual work engagement. 
And to me, that almost gives me chills how cool that is because it means that we learn from people, this study acted like you got to watch them. But that's not really the case. I mean, Zoom calls and phone calls yep. allow a employee, an employee to see how their boss is responding. Right. And if their boss is, listen, you got to get it right. We got to do it the way we always do it. And as soon as possible, let's get back into the office. If it's that kind of like, Mm, command and control style, yep. then those workers take on a mindset of like, I can't wait till this shit is over. You know, they basically take it on. Yeah. I think that's really powerful. What's like so like dope about that as well is, and they do look at this in the study. Like, so this idea of leading by example is it's something that you put out that is optional for people to take. So if you're leading by example and you're a maniac and you're just like, like, you know, you're just on everyone's back, you're disillusioned with reality, you're trying to force an old normal when clearly some sort of new paradigm is on its way, people are just going to be like, I think my boss is nuts and I'll get my job done as much as I can so that this psychopath doesn't keep on harassing me. But I might disengage emotionally. Yes. I might pull back myself yeah so it doesn't so myself doesn't get hurt yeah <laughs> or at the very least i'm not gonna emulate yeah. that yes like I'm, I'm seeing like i'm seeing they're giving me an example of something i do not wish yeah. to emulate yeah. and they, they they covered this a bit in the uh in the paper where it was a bit like um and i think i'll kind of like take this lift this directly but it's like modeling ocb did not seem to exert any direct or indirect effect on group behavior for leaders who were not seen by their group as highly worthy mm. role models like, so it's like you're, you are, whether you, so it's weird because once you're in a position of leadership slash authority, whether you know it or not, you also step into that role of role model. You step into it. But some people are just going to be like, exactly. I'm not buying that. Exactly. Like, exactly. I don't want to be like that. Yeah. Oh, I can. It's not about this paper, but it's such an important top, topic for me. It's the idea that human beings want leadership. Yes. But in the 1900s, industrial revolution stuff, we invented like fake leadership mm. where we gave incompetent people position power. Yes. But they don't say or do anything that's particularly good yep. or like impressive. Yep. So nobody really wants to follow them. Yep. Like they have to. But they kind of think they're like incompetent in a way. Right? <laughs> you're not doing anything impressive to me. Yeah. It's like, I'll do the job because yeah. I need the money. Right. But like, I'm not led by you. Yes. I'm not feeling like inspired by anything you've ever done. Yeah. And that is actually a really cool point. Yeah. Like when they, they were like in the study here, they were kind of like looking at some of the initial research into leadership and like three of the categories that they looked at initially were obedience, loyalty and participation, which again, there's a bit of a shudder there because that's not about the individual. That's just like when I hear obedience, it's kind of like do what I say. And then I hear loyalty and it's like, regardless of how you feel about it, Mm. And then participation is, well, we gave you a job, didn't we? Yeah. And then it seemed to have then evolved somewhat where it's, they, they added three things, which were one, making persistent efforts to attain organizational goals. Again, still very much about the organization, yeah. promoting yeah. and defending the organization's yeah. image uh, to outsiders and insiders. <laughs> is that called boosterism? Is that boosterism? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would you mention a bit of that, like at the top as well? Like, how do we talk about our yeah. work outside of yeah. being yeah. at work? And then the final 
final one, which was like pretty cool, was initiating constructive yeah. change yeah. in the workplace. Yeah. And that was the first one that seemed to be like empowering. And actually you've got something of value to offer this organization. Yeah. And if, if you could like, if you could lead by example with that, th- that idea of giving people trust yeah. and kind of like thinking there's yes. more to you than yes. the job that you're doing. And by me doing more than what my role is as a leader and giving you license to do more than what your role is as an employee, like that, that sounds, that sounds a bit beautiful. That's right. And that also really connects with one of our episodes, which was about humble leadership. Yes. And it was about exactly that, which is humble leaders start with the assumption that they don't have all the answers and instead are curious and helpful as the employees who do the actual work figure out the solutions really powerful and, and, and interesting. Um, there's a study that I learned about recently um, where a bunch of teachers were given the chance to decide with using some organizational money, school money, 400 per teacher. They got to decide what micro strategy they would use to improve student performance. And these small little amounts of money that individual teachers said in my classes, this is the way I think those students will learn more. Those ones did way better than when it kind of came top down from the principals Mm. saying, here's what we need to do different. Yep. And again and again and again, there's just so much research on this. It's often the case that the employees themselves that actually do work kind of know <laughs> what would make it work better. That is heresy. Get out of here with that kind of talk. So funny. <laughs> so in this sense, some leaders, I think, destruct value. They detract. Right? Yes. Which is like comical because for <laughs> me, it sounds like I want to make myself appear to be as valuable as possible and by doing so, I'm going to insert myself where I'm not really yes. needed. Because I think it is a little counterintuitive to say how I'm most valuable is supporting the people who do the actual work or that by showing that I care and am loyal, yep. I'm demonstrating that it's important and valuable to be loyal and focused. It's a really interesting role for leaders. And if you grew up being taught that it's like command and control and you have to be the master of the universe. You never quite get to modeling that. Yeah, it's really crazy, Akin. It's a really... So what... Anyway, back to the study now. What other stuff do you think is like... What... Anything surprise you? Any questions? Anything? Because folks, if you're listening right now, they had a pretty good study size. What was it? 600 people. Right. Yep. Yeah. It was almost seven hundred. Seven hundred people in this big company in um, this Israeli company, um, and they basically showed in the real world across lots and lots and lots of different sort of business units within this company that it does work, and it works better when the leader is visible. It works better when the leader is trusted. What's the word used? It's it's when they were seen as a valid role model, yep. it worked better. Yep. And then I think there was one more, um, what, what you call it, like, an, like oh, group consensus. Yes. To the extent that the group agreed yep. that the OCBs were valued, yeah. then that created like a culture. You kept using yep. the word culture. Yeah. Culture has to do like, we share the belief yep. that this is valued, that these citizenship behaviors are valuable. The boss caused it we agree more and then that drives individuals to give more yeah do you ever like it's probably the worst example to use but you ever watch the wolf of wall street yeah 
Oh my God, yeah. man. So you, yeah. you're talking about a yeah. psychopath, yeah. right? Like I yeah. can't remember. He's the, modeling psychopathic he behaviors. But he's yeah. doing so yeah. with the, the team that he's modeling it to. Pack of wolves. All want to be psychopaths. Pack of wolves. They're, right. yeah, I mean, this is the 80s, man. <laughs> Get in. Remember that one when he throws his Rolex into the crowd? Oh my God, oh man. My I remember God. like there's some sort of like Velcro... Uh, but, oh, but you know what? Go watch The Wolf of Wall Street and learn about like psychopaths and how like you can be. Yes. I guess a, it's so like it's uncomfortable almost for me to say yes. he was kind of a good leader. Right, that's right. Considering the objective, yes, like, he was. I even go as far as to say it actually makes the case for this paper. Yes, because while that isn't how biz- we'd want business to be done, he did model a consistent behavior that they thought would be great. And then they acted differently. Yeah. The really weird thing is I wouldn't call those citizenship behaviors because mm. ultimately they made up a lot of stuff. Yeah. They kind of lied and cheated. And yeah. like they, they made a lot of money by lying. <laughs> so ultimately that didn't help the organization. <laughs> That's a freaking meltdown. Of, but, but, um, it does show the power of yes. modeling. Behavior. Yeah. And like, um, cause there's a, there's a marriage <laughs> that needs to be there, which was exposed in this study. And, uh, just to lift the words, um, from them, it's like when a group consensus about the value of OCB was lower, leader OCB had no significant yeah. effect on group OCB, which is like, this kind of feels like the individual who's possibly doing good in possibly the wrong environment. Mm. Like sometimes you, you accept a job and you turn up, you're in a leadership position and you've got bright ideas and you turn up to a culture that's pretty toxic already. Mm. So like, mm. they're not really look like what you have yeah. to offer in yeah. terms of like being authentic, being yeah. trustworthy, being humble. Yeah. There's some environments where it's become so corrosive that humility will be like, get the hell out. Like, we don't want that here. Yes. yes. Like, we're, we're damaged. Laughable. Yeah. Yeah. It's weak. Yeah. It's soft. And I, so there's something you. there where there has to be a marriage. Otherwise, even if you're uh, exhibiting good behavior, like if you're doing the right things, essentially, in the wrong place. Yeah. It's not going to fly. And that's kind of like an uphill thing as well. This idea, it's kind of like a a Messiah role where you're kind of like, you are coming now from heaven to earth to save the lost. And eventually they will just like pin you up and like leave you out to die for free. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. (laughs) I mean, this is really harsh to say, but we, you know, in the world of um, women leaders, this is often what they are facing. This Mm. double bind of them doing the right thing and the right behaviors in terms of like looking for consensus, building commitment to a vision, but then the culture being so sexist that because it's a woman, the message doesn't work. Yeah. And that's really deeply painful. It's, it's, it's one of the things that's just so difficult to change quickly. Yeah. Even though it would be the effective set of behaviors, it won't work in this environment because they won't give you the credit to let it work. Yeah. It's disastrous in a way. It's one of these things that across time, you just hope that those organizations fail and then get replaced by organizations that are more nimble and are able to work in a less corrosive way. Yeah. It's, it's quite interesting to see the trends, like the social trends, exposing 
uh, I guess some of these like inequalities uh, we could say. So it's interesting seeing that. And it also, it highlights one, how we're kind of hopefully moving in a more positive direction, but also like a bit of like the, the friction of change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I, cause I, I like, <laughs> I'm like a young black dude. And sometimes I do hear the kind of like the old white man bashing. And I'm just a bit like, <laughs> like <laughs> you are not the flavor of the month right now. Like, <laughs> but, and I can also kind of be a bit like if I were an old white dude like I'd be like hey you're taking my toys away like this was really fun yeah I was having a grand time <laughs> and then people started having thoughts and opinions what gives what gives we should elect somebody that represents us <laughs> Oh great! So like we're gonna go like start bringing this bad boy. Let's home. land was this there, thing. Yeah. Let's was there anything else that you wanted to 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 throw at this kind of like study at the listeners? Is there anything else that kind of like stood out for yourself then? Let's see. Um, I think the last thing that I'm gonna say to try to generalize it has to do with remembering that we're being watched. We're being watched all the time. As you know, one of the things I Sorry, spend- it sounds like the beginning of a sermon. Church. <laughs> Everybody shit now. Um, I do these, um, as you know, these studies where I create these reports for people of like who they are when they're at their best. Yes. And some of the most surprising findings for people are how they're being watched behind the scenes when they thought no one was watching. Mm. And a lot of times I'm studying the positive. These are the ways you have the most value. People don't bring up like the big speech or the big sales job. What they bring up is like that time we were in the office and everybody wanted to go home, but you kind of stepped with it and really showed us that we could find a way. And a lot of times people will read it and be like, oh my God, I didn't know anybody was remembering that. I can't believe it. But those little moments are when you show character. And I think that that is one touch point for me around this leader modeling. It's easy to be a great leader when you prepare the speech. Yep. It's harder to be a great leader when the shit's really going down and you need to have character. You have to kind of show what you really believe. And that's when people are watching and noticing, I think. Woo, I love that. I love that. So yeah, that's a, a beautiful tone for us to land this bad boy on. Dan and I, unfortunately, don't spend all of our times watching you. So maybe when we're not looking... You probably share this on like your social media or on your LinkedIn or your, I mean, maybe. And then maybe we just kind of get an alert, which is like, oh, this post has been shared on LinkedIn with a lovely comment as well. Uh, but yes, thanks for rocking with us again. Uh, Dan and I are back from our summer holes and we'll be looking forward to dropping a episode of Squeezing the Orange uh, monthly. Yes, each month. Uh, Whether you like it or not, coming your way, baby. (laughs) So, peeps, uh, once again, enjoy the rest of your lives. Ciao. Bye, peeps.